fix. If you guys are new with us, uh, my name is Kenson. I have the honor of serving as a pastor here at Park, uh, specifically our Bridgeport location. So really glad to be with you guys this morning. Now, as you guys are turning over to John chapter 6, uh, we are once again starting a new sermon series that will take us all the way to Easter, and we're going to study the seven I am statements that Jesus makes about himself from the Gospel of John. Let me just show you these seven I am statements. Now, I'm excited for this study because we're going to learn new things about Jesus Christ because the book of John, when compared to all the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is incredibly unique. 90% of what we read in John, we won't read in any other Gospels. And one of the unique things are these I am statements, that it's in these statements Jesus describes his identity, his mission, and his kingdom. And it's these I I am statements that will challenge us because in these I am statements, Jesus declares his greatness over our lives. Then in John chapter 8, Jesus says that before Abraham was, I am. Now Jesus does that because the Jews were comparing him to Moses and Abraham, that Jesus was doing some amazing things, teaching amazing things and thinking, man, this guy is just like Moses and Abraham. And as flattering as that would be for anybody else to be compared to those people, Jesus knows that he's greater. And he says to them, I am nothing like them at all. I am. And when he says that, it brings us back to Exodus 3 when Moses encounters a burning bush and tells him to go to Pharaoh and to tell him to let my people go. And Moses is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to go to Pharaoh. He's going to ask me, who sent me? What's your name? And God said, I am who I am. So when Jesus says, I am, When Jesus gives us those seven I am statements, he is making a huge declaration. He is using the name for God. Through these I am statements, Jesus sets himself apart and above everyone else. Why? It's so that you would know he's it. He's the son of God. He's everything we need. Amen. Amen. So with that, let's go ahead and read our verses, and then we're going to jump in, all right? So John chapter 6, and let's go and just read a couple of our verses to get us set up, because we're actually going to be working through the whole chapter today, all right? So John chapter 6, let's read verses 5 to 13 here. Let me read these verses for us. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are, we, what are, they, but what are they So for so many? Jesus says, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And we can't, let's jump to verse 32 here. Let's jump to verse 32 and just read a few verses here. John chapter 6, verse 32. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, back in 1965, the Rolling Stones came out with a song that is considered one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all times. I can't get no satisfaction. Let me just read the chorus to you guys, all right? I can't get no, I'm not going to sing it, I'm going to read it, okay? I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try. I can't get no, I can't get, I have no idea why this is a hit song. I can't get no, all right? Now, this song was written over 50 years ago, yet this song is still as relevant as ever because the human condition is still the same, isn't it? That we can't get no satisfaction. That many of us here live in this constant state of, I'll be happy when you fill in the blank. I'll be happy when I get that marriage. I'll be happy when I get that bank account. I'll be happy when I get that career, when I get that degree, when I get those children, when I get that body, when I get those Instagram likes. So we try and we try and we try. Or for some of us, we're not so much hungry, but hurting. That we have shame, there's brokenness, there's guilt, and we want to feel whole, so we try to be good. We try to make up for our mistakes. We try to be religious. And again, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, but yet you still can't get no satisfaction. You know, today Jesus makes his first I am statement, which is an incredible promise. I am the bread of life. So Jesus here has just finished feeding 5,000 people. Now, when it says 5,000 people, most likely it's more to, more to 20,000 people. Because back then they only counted the head of the household and not the entire family. So Jesus here feeds the masses and he does it with a kid's happy meal. And there's leftovers to boot for that, right? So after this all happens, the crowd see this, they get ecstatic and they say, Jesus, we want you to be our king. Because can you imagine if this guy could do this with bread and fish? Imagine what would happen if he actually got his hands on the government. Uh, verses 14 and 15. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This indeed, the prophet who has come into the world, perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Okay, So follow this here. Jesus has just done this incredible miracle to about 20,000 people. He is now going viral, and he decides to slip away from the crowd. Why? And this is very telling. Why? It's not because he was shy. It's because he was being misunderstood. That the king that they wanted was not the king Jesus came to be. That they wanted Jesus to be a political king that would throw away Roman oppression. That they wanted a king of fish and bread. But this was not the kingdom Jesus was bringing. Verse 35 summarizes it best. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I have not come to fill your stomachs. I have come to fill your soul. Everything else in this world will leave you hungry. Everything else in this world will leave you trying. I alone can satisfy you forever. That is who Jesus is. Now, with our time here today, I want us to work through our message by answering these three questions. The first one is this. What is this bread of life? Secondly, why did the crowds miss it? And thus, how can we miss it? And then finally, how can we have 
this bread of life, okay? So let's first do the first question. What is this bread of life? Now, this crowd here is a persistent group. Even though the disciples have set sail across to the other side of Galilee, and Jesus catches up with them by walking on water, okay? That's a whole different sermon. But he walks on water, and they all get there, and the crowd meets them there. So Jesus sees the crowd again, and he says these words to them. Verses 26 and 27. He says this to them. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Jesus knows that the reason they wanted to make him king was because of this miracle bread. They were excited because he could take away their hunger. But Jesus tells them, you have missed the point. I am offering you a different bread. I am offering you the bread, the food that he that endures to eternal life. This crowd got excited over the wrong bread, that they made the miracle bread, the gospel, when instead the good news that Jesus was bringing was that he did not come to save them from starvation, but from damnation, that the bread would give them eternal life. Now, when we talk about eternal life, Eternal life is not just about existing forever because biblically we will all exist for all eternity. That all of us have an eternal destination and it's only two options biblically. It's either heaven or hell. And the difference between these two is one is life with God, heaven, and the other one is life without God, which is hell. And this is what Jesus means to have the bread of life. He is saying not only will you just exist because you will exist forever, but you will finally have life with God. You will have significance. You will have fulfillment. You will be loved. You will have this bread that will satisfy forever because this is a bread that your soul craves, a relationship with God. This is eternal life that you know that you are known and loved by God for all eternity. And eternal life doesn't just begin when you die. It begins when you meet Jesus because you just don't need Jesus when you die. You need him every single day, right now in this moment. His life becomes your life. His life becomes your strength, your joy, your meaning of life. This is what it means for Jesus to be a bread of life. It means having a new life, a radical life, a fulfilled life with God now and for all eternity. Now, this has a very important implication, and it's this. World hunger is not our greatest problem. It's soul hunger. You know, if Jesus wanted to, he could have ended world hunger. That he just sat there and just kind of put his hands across all the crops and just multiplied them infinitely. That he could just put his hands right into the ocean and he could have multiplied all the fish and make enough supply for the entire world. He doesn't do that. Also, Jesus can walk on water, and then if this guy can have this kind of authority over creation, he could instantly just tap the earth and heal the entire planet. But Jesus doesn't do any of this because this is not why he came. He did not come to give bread. He came to be bread. He didn't come so our stomachs would be full. He came so that we would be saved from sin and death. Now, I want to be careful here because in no way am I saying that Jesus and his church should not care about humanitarian issues or creation care. We must care and be engaged because the good news of redemption is that Jesus has redeemed 
all things, not just the soul, but all creation and all humanity, that it's in the Bible we're commanded to love and bless and take care of our neighbors. When we believe the gospel, it will lead us to greater social activism. It will lead us to greater social transformation. This is a natural outworking of our faith. But we have to remember that as important as it is to end world hunger and to be socially active, Jesus is first offering us and to the world a different kind of bread, the bread of eternal life. That as Christ followers, we want to alleviate all suffering. We want to get rid of all suffering, but the most significant suffering is eternal suffering. The starving that comes from being separated from God. So as important as it is to put bread in our stomachs, more importantly, are we pointing others to the bread of life? The greatest gift of the gospel is not the blessings that come with the gospel. The greatest gift is to know God himself. This is what it means to have the bread of life. Now this leads us to our second question. How did the crowds miss it? And thus, how can we miss it? Because you would think, after this wonderful declaration, I am the bread of life, you know, this is the food that endures forever, you would imagine that, just like you guys, that they would say, amen, praise the Lord, yes, you know, you know I, I want that. No, they reject this bread. Uh, verse 29 and 30, Jesus answered them, this is the work that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? So Jesus here puts it out there. Uh, believe in me. Uh, I'm the bread of life. I have come to save you. But instead of saying, I believe, they say, uh, can we see some more signs so we can believe you here? Uh, that's ridiculous because Jesus has already done signs. Okay, so we're in John chapter 6 right now. So right now, Jesus has already done this. He's turned water to wine at a wedding. That's amazing, all right? For some of you, that's enough. That's all you need to know, right? Right. He also heals an invalid by a pool. He heals a nobleman, nobleman's sick son. He feeds 25,000 people. He just walked on water. And we're only in John chapter 6. And Jesus keeps saying to the crowd, I'm God, I'm God, I'm God, I came down from heaven, and this is still not enough for the crowds. So Jesus, in his compassion, continues to speak truth, and they continue to reject them. That in verses 41 to 42, it says that the Jews grumble. Didn't we grow up with this guy? Didn't we know his parents? How arrogant for him to say that he's the bread of life. And again, Jesus' compassion speaks truth again, and they reject him some more. Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So not only did the crowds begin to turn away, now the people who were calling him teacher are turning away in this moment. What is going on here? Why did they reject the bread of life? Why do we reject the bread of life? It's because we care more about our bodies and life than our soul and eternal life. That we're more focused on the outer life than inner life. You know, for, for example, you know, all of us here got up today, you know, we got dressed, we looked in the mirror, and we asked this very simple question. Am I ready for today? And let me just say you guys look great. Thank you for doing that, all right? Now, let me ask you this. How many of you this morning did that for your soul? 
How many of you today prepared your soul like you did your physical life? Just like the crowds, too many of us are focused on the wrong bread. This is why Jesus says in verse 27, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Don't spend your energy, don't spend your life, don't spend your resources pursuing and hoping experiences that can't sustain your soul's joy. Stop eating spoiled food. As in real life, when you eat food that's well past its expiration date, when it's got a little bit of white fuzz on it, when it's a little bit green, right, it will make you sick. Instead of this food giving you life, it will take life from you. In the same way, if we look for life anywhere but Jesus, it will make our souls malnourished. It will make us weak. It will make us frail. What we need to understand here is that the problem you and I all have is not that our needs are too great. The problem is that the things that we're looking to satisfy us are way too small. Jesus says in verse 26, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you had your fill of the loaves. Now, what Jesus is saying here is that you have missed the purpose of these signs. And what does he mean by that? Well, let me, let me just illustrate it this way. Now, let's just say right now that we're all on 94 and we're heading up to Wisconsin. And as you guys are going up to Wisconsin, you are seeing a ton of signs. You're seeing signs that say, says Wisconsin, this way. Wisconsin, 100 miles away. Wisconsin, 50 miles away. And when you get to the border, you see a sign that says, welcome to Wisconsin. Now, what happens once you get into Wisconsin? There's no more signs saying that you're going to Wisconsin because why? You're already there, right? Notice that the signs in themselves are not the destination. The sign points you to where the destination is. And once you get there, you don't need the signs. Jesus is saying that you missed the purpose of these signs. You've missed the purpose of these miracles. You've missed the purpose of this feeding here. It's not for you to be excited over the miracle bread, but it's for you to be excited over the one who does the miracle. That this miraculous sign of bread was not meant to point to your physical hunger. It was meant to point to your spiritual hunger. And what that means is that that discontent, that unrest that you feel in itself is not bad or evil. That longing for companionship, that desire for security and safety, that need for significance and belonging, that longing for healing and wholeness, those hunger pains are there so that we would go to him and find our satisfaction. You know, Pascal, a French mathematician and philosopher, put it this way. Let me show it to you. He said this. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. Let me show you what St. Augustine said. He said this. Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. God has put hunger in our bodies to remind us to eat. God has put hunger in our souls so that we would go to him. This is the purpose of these signs. Friends, are you seeing them? Are you recognizing to where they're calling you to go? 
Don't labor for food that perishes. Don't make it your aim to get rich. Don't think mainly about your paycheck. Don't think mainly about upward mobility. Don't think mainly about the praise of people. Don't be satisfied with what the world gives. It will only spoil. So let's go ahead and ask this final question. How can we have this bread of life? It's to believe. It's to believe. Let me just show you a couple of verses here because Jesus, very generous with his teaching here. It says in verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe. You can circle that. Believe in him whom he has sent. Verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, a form of believing, right, shall not hunger. And whoever believes, there it is again, in me shall never thirst. Verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes, there it is again, in him, should have eternal life. And finally, in verse, verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. If you want this bread of life, Jesus cannot be any more clear. Believe in me. Th that's it. Just believe in me. Now, now, when the Bible tells us to believe, whenever it tells us to believe, it's never just head knowledge. It means trust, right? It means surrender. It means to fully embrace him. It means not just knowing that, you know what, that Jesus, you are the bread of life, but it's actually taking him in. You know, actually, Jesus here, you know, actually, Jesus says this when he says, like, you know, you know, if you eat and drink, right, if you eat of my flesh and you drink of my blood, you know, you will have eternal life. What Jesus is doing, he's, he's actually comparing eating to believing. And just like eating, how you need to bring the bread into your body, how you have to ingest it. Jesus is saying that if you want this eternal life, don't just, like, look at it. Okay? Just don't take pictures of it, okay? Just don't come close to it. Bring it in. Bring me in to your soul. Now, now how can we know if you really believe Jesus as the bread of your life, you know, ask yourself this question. When you look at your life on a daily basis, are you treasuring Jesus or using Jesus? Do you want to know if you have him as your bread of life? Are you treasuring him or are you using him? If you notice with the crowds here, this is how they showed their unbelief. They used him. Jesus, show us more signs. Give us more bread. Be the king we want you to be and not the king that you are. Friends, do you seek him just to use him? Do you pray only to get? Do you get angry at God when he doesn't treat you fair? Do you only come to him when you're in trouble? Are you only reading your Bible when you're in trouble? This is treating Jesus as a means to your own end instead of treating him as the ultimate end. If we believe Jesus is the bread of life, we will not use him. We will treasure him. That even if I don't get that job, if I don't get that raise, if I don't get that home, if I don't get that healing, if I don't get that bank account, if I don't get that boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse, Jesus, you are still enough for me. This is how you know you have the bread of life. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because this bread from heaven is not a thing. It is a person. Do you meet with him daily in his word for daily nourishment? Does his words, the Bible, bring life to your heart? In those hard times, can you feel his presence that he gives? Can you feel him supporting you, encouraging you? Is your heart satisfied in him? Do you guys see? Unlike us, Jesus has not come to get from us. He has come to give to us. 
That he is the bread that gives life, not at the cost of our lives, but at the cost of his own life. Now something you guys need to see here is that this whole story of John chapter 6 has for its backdrop the Passover feast. You know, it gets started in verse 4. It says in verse 4, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Now this Passover brings us back to the Exodus when God freed his people from Egyptian oppression. And it's during this Passover season, the people of God lived in the wilderness. And the wilderness was barren and desolate. There wasn't a whole lot of food. So what God did to provide for them every single day was provide manna bread from heaven. And it's through this manna, God sustained his people. And what happened because of that daily miraculous provision that God gave, every year from that day forward, the people of God, the Jews, would have a Passover feast and eat bread to remind themselves of God's gracious provision and deliverance. And it's with this backdrop, Jesus shows up, feeds the 20,000, and he says, I am the bread of life. That just like how God sent manna down from heaven, God has sent me down from heaven. Just like how God has used bread to nourish their physical bodies, I'm the bread that nourishes the spiritual life. Just like how God faithfully provided manna every single day while you're in the desert, I'm the bread that will sustain you through the desert of your soul. Do you guys see? Everything this manna was, Jesus is greater and better. And let me just show you a table that compares Jesus to manna here, okay? I geek out over stuff like this. So so let me just show it to you here, okay? So what you see here is on one side you have manna and Jesus, the bread of life. Manna, metaphysical need temporarily. Jesus meets a spiritual need eternally. Only sustained physical life imparts eternal life. For only one nation, Israel, for the whole world. For only 38 years, Jesus to the end of time. Manna at no cost to the Lord, Jesus at great cost, Jesus had to die. Manna only delayed physical death, Jesus conquered spiritual death. Manna, God sent a gift, Jesus God sent the giver of all gifts. Jesus is the greater manna. That he is the bread of life that will be broken for us. It's his flesh that will be poured out for us. He will experience the emptiness. He will be the one to starve. He will be the one torn torn limb from limb into little crumbs because it's in his brokenness on the cross we find life. That it's in his brokenness, we will be made whole. He will be cast out, we will be brought in. He will be condemned, we will be forgiven. He will be rejected, we will be accepted. We, he will be treated like an enemy of God, we will be treated like sons and daughters of the Most High. He is the bread of life that comes not at cost to you, but at the greatest cost to himself. That is how much he loves us. Everything our starving souls needed, Jesus provided completely. And if we want this bread of life, all we need to do is believe and trust Jesus as our life. And we can stop trying and trying and trying and trying because this bread is not something to be earned. This is a gift to be received. Amen. Amen. Now, how can we apply this? You know, Rafe's already made a mention of this, 
But this Wednesday begins the season of Lent. And as Rafe said so well, Lent is a church tradition where for 40 days before Easter, we spend time to prepare our hearts and mind for the wonderful work of the cross and resurrection. And traditionally, the way we prepare for this is through fasting and self-denial, specifically from food, that we allow ourselves to feel the aches of hunger so that we can be reminded to look up to God and say, Father, as much as I want food right now, I want Jesus, the bread of life, even more. Fasting is one of the most practical ways to experience Jesus as the bread of life. Now, fasting doesn't always have to be food. You know, you can also unplug from social media if you're super addicted to it, okay? And the time that you save on social media, spend it towards Bible reading and prayer. You know, you can stop all that online shopping and only shop for basic necessities, or you can give up caffeine, okay? Now, that's actually what my wife and I have done for the last three years. Now, you're probably thinking, well, what's so hard about caffeine? Well, let me tell you something. You, I come from a family that drinks more caffeine than water, okay? That, that's, that's our family right now, okay? And when we have done this in the past, I know in those moments when I just like for two days when I'm stopped drinking coffee, I get that caffeine withdrawal. Then I start to shake, you know? I get the splitting headaches and, and I'm drinking water and I'm so angry. I'm just like, oh, I have to drink water. Why do I have to drink water right now? But can I tell you, it's in those moments when I'm shaking, when my head is hurting, every cup of water that I'm drinking because I normally don't drink water, Guess what happens? Every single moment I get to say, Jesus, you're worth it. I love you. Thank you for the cross. There is no hard rule on how to practice Lent, but the most important thing is to fast from something significant so that you can feel the hunger of it and look to Jesus. And if you guys are part of a park small group, can I just encourage you guys this week, talk about it and hold each other accountable all the way to Easter. And on the screen here, let me just show you some other ways to engage during the Lent season. Rafe's already talked about this. We have our Ash Wednesday service to kind of kick it all off. As a church, we're also rolling out some Lent devotional, so make sure you guys sign up for that. That's all on our website. And also we'll have our Good Friday service at our near north location, so you guys want to be a part of that as well too. We'll, we'll go ahead and put this all on our website on the Facebook for you guys here, okay? Okay, let me just go ahead and end with this. Now, the way this story ends here, Jesus, the crowds are all gone, and Jesus started with his disciples, and now he ends with his disciples. Look at verses 66 here to 71. Let me just read these verses here. Very, very interesting, the way he ends. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Verse 70, Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is the devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Notice here that this teaching on the bread of life, interestingly enough, ends with Judas. And I think the reason for that is that this is meant to be a caution for all of us. Because some of you here today, you have just invested about 30 minutes of your life hearing a sermon about how Jesus is the bread of life, how you need to stop trying and trying and trying and just to believe him as sufficient. Some of you will not do that today. Some of you won't give up. Some of you will not give up your lifestyle. Some of you will not stop seeking fulfillment in worldly things. This is the story 
of Judas, right? Some of you know the story here. What happens to Judas, right? At the very end here, towards the end of the public ministry, Judas decides to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So he does this, and as Jesus is being condemned, as he's being dragged away, you almost read from the Gospels that that Judas looks at this bag of silver, 30 pieces of silver, maybe just a few thousand dollars, and he realizes, what have I just done? I traded the Son of God, my Creator, the living water, the bread of life. I have seen this man raise the dead for this, for this, 30 pieces of silver. Judas runs back, throws all the money back in the temple. He wants nothing to do with this. What did I just do? One day, some of you, you're going to get your silver. You're going to get your wife, your husband, your children. You're going to get your career. You're going to get that bank account, and you're going to have it all in your hands. And are you going to have that Judas moment? What have I just done? I traded the Son of God for this, for this. Friends, I want to plead with you. Do not labor for food that perishes. Instead, decide today and believe like the Apostle Peter. To whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the Holy One of God. You are enough. You are precious. You are satisfying. You are the glory that outshines everything. You are the treasure that is greater than all of the gold and silver of the world. You are the bread of life that endures forever. Yes, this life is not easy, but you have the words of eternal life. Where else is there for me to go? So I will double down and I will give my all to you. Friends, will you do that? Will you do that? There is nowhere else for me to go but then to be with the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you that when Jesus is the bread of life, all effort and earning Lord, can be laid down, that all we need to do is believe and trust in the perfect work and effort and earning that Jesus accomplished. And that, Father, when we do so, our souls will be satisfied, our hearts would be whole, that we would be healed. Father, I pray that you would just forgive us, Lord, for those times, God, that, that we turn to sin. Because, Father, every time we turn to sin, it's only because we're dissatisfied in you. Father, help us to find our full satisfaction in you. Father, help us to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Lord, give us today our daily bread. And Father, we know that that means physical provision. But God, even after reading today's verses, hearing today's sermon, God, we want Jesus every single day. Father, may we have more and more of him in our lives. It's in his name we pray. Amen.